0: We are excited to have you with us today at the Baptizing Church out of Zion, Maryland. Come along as we listen to God's Word with Pastor Timilengi Okwelami. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 19, very quickly. We are still on family affairs. And all I've been trying to do is just set a tone and set a, uh, a foundation for... Um, how we are expected to carry out ourselves within the confines and the context of marriage and family life. And um, don't get me mistaken when we talk about marriage and family life. We are not just speaking to those who are already married because, you know, by reason of just that word, we instinctively just think, okay, if I'm not married just yet, then... It's not my word, you know, it's for the married people. But whatever is true in marriage, in family life, is also true for those who are intending to get into that, right? The principles that underline the way we interact and the way we act in marriage is still the same principle even before you get married, pre-married. Do you understand? We said last week, for instance, when the Lord just took us on a different a different angle, right? My wife asked me, what exactly was I going to preach last week? You know, because those, and I said, well, what I'm going to preach is what I'll preach right now, okay? Um, we talked about how self-control is not different for the single person and the married person. The same self-control that is needed, right, to, for you to exercise as a single person is what is needed even when you're married, if you can't exercise that as a single person then how do we believe you can exercise that even in marriage you know so that's just to tell you that these principles are not unique just to the season when you now get married I say okay now let's now start listening no that that will be too late do you understand? so this is just to help the you know every single one getting on what we are sharing today hallelujah and um, we've said a number of things about typically dividing our interactions in family life in three phases. One as a spirit, the other dealing with it from the soulish perspective and from the body perspective. And we made us to understand, we saw from scriptures how the Bible says that we are spirits, we have a soul, we live in a body. And that that principle can also be brought contextualized in marriage. In that many times, the reason why we have issues in marriage is really because we are not dealing from that platform, from that realm of the spirit man. We are not dealing from, and that is how God actually ordained it to happen. Marriage didn't happen before the fall. Marriage happened, permit me to use marriage, not as though there was a wedding ceremony that was conducted, but you understand what I mean. You know, before the fall. And so, it was intended that man was going to deal according to the dictates of his spirit man. And we said the law that governs that spirit man, there is one law. Under the Old Testament, there are several laws, over 600 of them, right? But in the New Testament, look at John 13, 34, 35. The Bible says that a new commandment I give unto you, that you love yourselves as I have loved you. He said, this is how men shall know that you are my disciples indeed, if you have love one for another. So that's the new commandment. That's the, everything is sum, summarized in that. Um, Romans 13 and verse 8, verse 9, right? The Bible says that, all no man nothing but to love. It says, and all this law, that shall not commit adultery, that shall not steal, that shall not kill, that shall not covet. If there be any other one, it is, it is comprehended in this, love thy neighbor as thyself. And then it says, love is the fulfilling of the law. So we see that the law of the new man is love. Love transcends roles. Now are there roles? Yes, there are roles. There are are all of that. But love transcends roles. It transcends principles. It transcends commandments. Love is, there is a spirit behind love. And that's why God could take all of the entire 600 law and summarize it and say it's just one. Now let's think about it for a moment. Over 600 laws, God took everything and then he said actually. If you will just walk in love. And guess what? God even did one better for us. Love is not something that we are going about looking for. Praying for. Trusting God for. If you are born again, that law is already at work in your spirit. Romans 5 and verse 5. Says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. So we have that love in us. It's it's installed into your new man. And so it's not something you are going about trusting God for. No, if you will just feed that nature, if you will just feed that love nature, it will come out every single time. It will come out every single time, right? So we saw that, that it's not about all of do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this. Or No, it's not about do's and don'ts. No, it's about a different thing. This time, I want us to go to Matthew nineteen six. I want to go a step further. You could get the messages to read more. We definitely can summarize everything we've done in two, three installments. This is the fourth now. Matthew 19 and verse 6. Praise God. It says, wherefore, they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. This is a very popular scripture, right? I wanted to wear my agbada today. Because I told my wife that I'm going to be saying some things that are going to sound quite a departure from the traditional belief, right? Oftentimes, when we look at this scripture, what comes to mind? What comes to mind is, right, someone is married, and then don't put them asunder. Don't be divorced. And then we go about saying about how God doesn't want anyone divorced. And, well, that's true. That's the original intent, God didn't walk divorce into all of the system, right? But for the hardness of the heart of man, we're not going into that. Maybe I will touch on that before we end up this series and put some light, shed some light on marriage and divorce a little bit. These are some of the things that are not quite popular on the Pope Hilt, but we trust God to be able to deal with that a little bit. But I'm not going to delve in much into that. So the scripture many times we see this, for instance, myself and my wife If we go at Sunder, it is we putting at Sunder anything that God, that's how we interpret it. You know, And sometimes it also presupposes that God has ordained that I marry her and ordained that she marries me, which is not quite. I don't believe that compels really God had ordained that I marry my wife or that my wife married me. I don't believe that's what this scripture is saying. Because there can't be one person, just one person for you. Because that will be God overriding your will. If there was just one person, it would mean that this is the only person. You don't have any choice. You can't even exercise your will. So whatever it is, you are better come to this person. This is the person. But that that can't be, because even in salvation, God does not override your will. For something as important, as vital as salvation, your will is not overriding. God still depends on you. And that's why many times um, we say such and such souls get saved. In actual fact, it wasn't souls that got saved. It was spirits that got saved. But we understand what we mean, right? In that there was an exercise of our will to get saved, Right? No one, you weren't, God is not like the devil. You weren't, what's the word now, slapped into salvation. You weren't cajoled into salvation. The gospel was preached. The eyes of your understanding was enlightened. You made an intelligent decision to receive the life of Christ and to be born again. So I'm saying if God did not override the will of man in something as important as salvation... He won't do it in marriage. So there can't be one person. What about if the person dies before you are ready to get married? Every person, you know, was, had, a, had an accident before the time you got married. It will mean, well, your fate is sealed. <laughs> that is, you remain single for the rest of your life. What about if the person, before the person got saved, of which some people even married before they got saved, and then got saved in marriage. And then their marriage even went on like that and went well. So it really can't be that there's one person ordained for another person, right? I believe there is a best person for you. There is a kind of person that you should get married to. Not necessarily that there is this person. Mm -mm. Because that will go against everything that we know, like I mentioned, concerning salvation in which your will was not exercised. Your will, your will rather was exercised, and God will not override, you know, that God will not override that. Oh, but even those who have divorced. We know God hates divorce, but God does not hate the divorcee. Come on, church, talk to me. God hates divorce quite alright, but God does not hate the divorcee. It wouldn't mean that once you're divorced, well, you have your marriage is that was the person you're supposed to marry. Then you can't you can't you can't remarry. So I'm just helping us to see that, that that is not the interpretation of that. What is that scripture about? What God has put together? I believe what that scripture is talking about is talking about the institution of marriage itself. What God put together in marriage, in that He brought marriage, it was the. Remember, we said this at the first installment that God is the one that initiated man and woman coming together. It wasn't the wisdom of man. It wasn't man that just thought to himself that no, what it will be good for. Them. No, it was a God thing. And so, I believe this scripture is talking about marriage as an institution. That what God has put together in that that marriage, in that he has founded that institution, let not man put it asunder. And that's what we are seeing in this generation. Where a number of people are trying to do things and are trying to make light what God did in marriage. It was God that said it is no good that man should be alone. It was God that said so, it wasn't man. So it was God that instituted it. And there are things now in this generation that are undermining God's work in marriage. You have people for instance asking some questions that is obviously an undermining of marriage. I remember there was a hangar that we that we did couples in here in church. We're not in this location, but I mean couples in church. And there was a question of this whole conversation about IVF. And then a question arose about if, if as a single person, you're not married, can I do IVF? But you know, that would be an undermining of the marriage system. There are a number of things that are, that are undermining it. I'm trying to put marriage where God Himself put it. And helping us to see the essence of it and the purpose of that coming together. Because when God said it is not good, he wasn't just saying he meant what he said. He wasn't just saying some things that felt it was going to be good. No, he meant what he said. You know, so we have people, ladies, for instance, you know, going on on this. Feminism trajectory. There is a whole, a whole conversation around you don't need to be married. A whole conversation around it is not necessary. You can be independent by yourself. And a number of people, you know, based on several reasons, coming to say that, you know what? That is not, I don't think I'll be cut out for marriage. I'm trying to get children outside of marriage. That wasn't the plan of God. That wasn't the plan of God. As a single person, can you do IVF? You're growing old, there's, no, there's nobody, you know, why can't I just do what I need to do and have my own child? Because it is undermining God's work in marriage. That wasn't how God decided that it should be. That's not the purpose of it. Every child should find himself within the context of a family. And a family being man and woman. Man and woman, because in the beginning it wasn't Adam and Adama, or Adam and Steve, it was Adam and Eve, and it wasn't Eve and Adamu, it was man and woman, it wasn't man and it, Marriage was institutionalized by God. Marriage was, and I know that there are people sometimes who have made some decisions based on what they have seen. So you see people who have gone through certain traumas that they themselves don't know that's already affecting them, and they feel, no, 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 I can't, I can't be in a relationship. And so every single time, you know, perhaps a relationship has tried to. Go beyond the normal friendship. You try to cut it out. Because there is a trauma that you are going through. Don't try to normalize it. There is a genuine desire in everyone to love and to be loved. There is a genuine desire in every man to love and to be loved. Marriage is God's institution. And there are many things. Divorce, like I mentioned. A number of things. You have people saying that, okay, if, if talking about sex toys, yes, I'm going to go into that. So you have people saying, for instance, you're married and one your spouse, male or female, isn't around, right? Can I use sex toy? Do you know that is also undermining the marriage institution? Because sex wasn't created to be between you and it. Sex was and still is a medium of intimacy between you and him or between her and him. Between him and her or her and him, whichever one. Not between you and it. So to, use, to do that outside of the marriage is also not doing it according to God's purpose what God has put together, what God has founded, what God has institutionalized, don't separate it. Don't separate it. Don't separate it. Don't separate separate the marriage institution by reason of your own modernized thinking. Are we here? It is God's purpose. And why did he put it together? Primarily to be able to Spread his nature, his person, and his image primarily. That was why God put it there. In order to make sure that his his, his very image can be continued. There was only one man that was made by God. Every other person was going to come from natural generation. Every other person. And the way God intended that the earth be populated with his own nature, with his own image, is through marriage. It's through marriage. And that's why the Bible actually says God hates divorce. Now, I've seen divorce. I'm not divorced. My beautiful wife is there. I don't intend to. Praise God. But look. If you know anything about it, you will know why God said, don't do it. If you know anything about it, you will really know why God said, "Mm -mm, I don't like it. There is no winner in divorce. Nobody wins. Nobody. Now, sometimes because people get aggravated, resentment, bitterness, and then they make up a a, a legal time and say unreconcilable differences you know which is just a legal way of saying nonsense <laughs> but if you know anything about it you will know that god god detests it and rightly so rightly so it may look like there is a winner but you are not nobody's life remains the same literally nobody not the man not the mother Not the children, not their friends, not their extended family. Literally everything, everywhere is affected. But thank God there's restoration even after after that. Right? Thank God there is. But I'm saying all of this to say that there is a purpose why God put it together. And what God has put together, let no man separate it. Let no man put it asunder. Let no man put it asunder. And like I said, the major reason why that is in place is because there is a reason. There is a thought process in God's mind. And that is to make sure that he propagates his nature around. It's to make sure that he propagates his person around. And that was really what I wanted to talk about when we went to Malachi 2 the other time. How the Bible says that he had made two one For what purpose? That he may bring forth what a godly offspring. That he may bring forth a godly offspring. That's the major reason why God has put things in place. And so when the choice of even a married partner is, is ongoing, know that you're not just choosing a wife for yourself. You're choosing a mother for your children. I am not just choosing a husband for yourself. You are choosing a father. So, one of the big questions to ask is if my son turns out this way, will I be good? That's a very deep question to ask. I remember I said this sometime. I think it's in the stretch I mentioned, this same statement. And just in the mention of the, the someone that was sitting in the congregation, just look at the person she was in a relationship with and she was like, Tah! <laughs> never. And that was, what are you saying that? <laughs> and that was what broke the relationship. That actually, because people don't think about it. People don't think that this, this, this choice you're making is a choice that you will live with for the rest of your life and is a choice that will influence everything that, is, that, that you are accustomed to, including your kids. So your spouse is not just your, your partner. He's the person that will build the same values. The same values that he has is the same values that your children will have. The same value that you have is the exact same that your children will have. Going back again, hence the reason why marriage must be predicated on God's word. Because you didn't initiate it. You didn't initiate it. You didn't. There was a um, a research that I came across by someone whose name is very difficult to pronounce. His name is Carl Z- Zikamnon or something like that. And he mentioned that this and this was not a spiritual research paper this is normal, this is research, that the he believes that the sacredness of marriage has been very much undermined. And he gave a number of reasons why many times in this generation, and this was written years back, 1947, why the sacredness of marriage has been year upon year, month upon month, has been undermined, he gave a number of reasons, and I'm just going to read out a few. He said, one, well, the sacredness of marriage has been lost due to multiple divorce. The fact that people go in and come out at will has painted the picture to every single person that, well, you can as well just go in and come out at will. But that's against God's purpose. That's against God's purpose. You can't just go in and come out at will. Another one, he said, the traditional meaning of marriage is lost and alternative forms of marriage is lost. Alternative forms of marriage has been given, rather. The traditional meaning of marriage is lost and alternative forms of marriage has been given. And then he said, feminist movement abounds. Women don't want to get married and have children. The feminist thing has actually, in my own thought, has actually evolved over time. You know, D. Initial meaning really was to give women voice, was to give them, I was going to say equal rights, but actually, it is good to mention at this point that man and woman are not equal. And that is not trying to undermine woman or try to undermine undermine man. Man, what is equal? I had to check the meaning of equal. So that I can know what I'm talking. Because I had to go to the dictionary to now check what exactly is the meaning of equal. Now please listen to this. Equal means the same in all respects. I'm reading from a dictionary. Man and woman, are we the same in all respect? No. We were not created to be the same. To try to make man equal to woman or make woman equal to man is yet undermining even the purpose of marriage itself. Because by the time identity is lost, you can't find it in marriage. Am I communicating this morning? Woman is different. They are different. I'm privilegedly so. I am different. You have a womb. I don't. That means God literally, God trusted you with bringing forth a life. Why do you want to make a woman equal to a man? God literally trusted you with not If there's anybody, anybody who is closest to God in creating, it's you. Feminine tendencies are generally different. Generally different. Woman, because of your, even your biological makeup tells about you. We, they made us from sand. You, from a freshly printed human flesh, were you hewned out of. <laughs> we're different. Your inclinations are different. So you see many times that women are generally more nurture oriented. Because that is who they are men are generally more work and leadership oriented because that is who we are generally. The average man is leadership oriented. Do you know that when God gave that instruction that man shall not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, do you know that the instruction was given to man, not woman? The woman was not yet in the picture when God said it. Read the Bible, Genesis 2. The woman was not yet made. And God didn't come back to reiterate himself to the woman. Why? Because he trusted the man to communicate leadership to the family. When you chose Abraham, Genesis 18, 19, what, did he, what was the reason he gave? He said because he will command his household. I had always quoted that scripture as command his household after me, that is after God. But that's not what the Bible says. He said he will command his household after him. His household after who? Him, 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 him. Command not after me. That's not to say that he's not supposed to command it after him, but he's saying that he's supposed to give leadership, he's supposed to give vision. If there's anything a man needs is vision and mouth. How to be able to see. And now to be able to communicate the vision that they are seeing. Even if you don't have money, be able to see. Be able to attract a cause, Be able to say, you know what, this is what we are doing. This is how we are doing it. This is, this, the Proverbs 31 woman. Every time, a single time that I read it, up until at, you know, some point. I always felt, ah. by the time, all the responsibilities that this woman has. Kilo kuva wa kune. Has anybody ever felt like that? That ah, She's the one that will wake up early to make food. She's the one that will do all the resourcefulness. She's the one that will still even buy food again. I'm like, ah, so what exactly am I supposed to do? Let's read it. Let's read it. Let's not go through it like that. Because it always caught my attention that the only thing they're not saying about man is that he's sitting at the gate. Kill on On queen Palliative. Proverbs 31.10. one ten. It says, Who can find a virtuous woman? A worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all days of his life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. Resourcefulness. Business. She is like a merchant. She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profit, she plants a vineyard. You can see the, the entire picture of this woman. She guards herself for strength, strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the... To the distaff. And her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hand to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land. And he comes back to her again. She makes linen and garments. Sells them. Supplies sashes. She doesn't so what is the man doing? He's just sitting. So, man, what you think I could joke on him? Just sit down, crush your leg. When they ask you, why are you sitting? You need to sit in the Bible. What is the husband? Doing? But that sitting at the gate, if you understand scriptural terminology, the gate is where decisions are made. The gate is where Enemies are stayed. The gate provides security. The gate provides stability. Before Nehemiah and his guys started building other things, the first thing they built was the wall and the gates. Because it determines the stability of whatever else is going to be built within that confines of the community. So, the major thing a man should do is create, chart a course. It's to chart a course. And that is why man and woman, we are different. You are blessed. Your worth is beyond rubies. And so, this idea of I can be by myself. Don't try to do what the Bible didn't tell you to do. <laughs> you cannot be by yourself. You need help as much as man needs help. God looked at man and said, You need you need help. If you go like this, if you read that context, the very easily what will come to your mind, what comes to my mind is when God told his disciples, do not go anywhere, just wait for me in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of a helper which he had discussed. That's what readily comes to mind. It's almost like, Adam, see this gardener, I know I told you to cultivate it. But before you start anything, just chill, because as you are going like this, you will just ruin yourself. There is a help that is needed. And the same way the Holy Ghost was supplied to the disciples for the help of ministry, in the same sense, woman carries that same value. So why would... Why would man and woman be equal? We are not. We are not equal. You are unique in your own space. I remember my mom asked me one very tricky question when I just got married. And I wondered where did it get? She said there was a question that they asked during church. And she wants to ask me the same thing to hear me. This was like the Pharisees and Jesus. I said, okay. Speak. Let me hear. Very tricky question. I'm, and she asked, between myself and your wife. Who is, um, how did she even frame the question? This is one time maybe my wife is hearing of it. Who is, I can't remember how she framed it, but you understand, it was a thing of comparison. Now, she wasn't doing it to undermine, she just wanted to hear my thoughts about that question. And she told me that it was discussed some, and she wanted to know what my answer was. And this was my answer it was the Holy Ghost answer. <laughs> I said, both of you are not comparable. In your class, you are my mother. In her class, she is my wife. They are not in the same class. You are not. Where she is, she is number one. Where you are, you are number one. Say so, ah, that dear in me, mujesu, but. I said all that to say this, that in man and woman, we have our own different classes. And the beauty of man comes up not when he's trying to be like a woman. The beauty of woman comes out not when she's trying to be like a man. And really, the identity of every single person will not come out until the gospel actually spreads. The gospel is what brings light to a society. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. That light, among other things, stands for development. Any society where there's development, check it out. There was a revival there. There was a revival there. So the the, the Bible already tells us the place of woman. We see several women leading. We see several women doing things. When the Holy Ghost was going to come by prophecy from Joel, it didn't just talk about the Holy Ghost on men. Some of my male servants and one of my maid servants, the Holy Ghost was going to come on everybody. So we are unique in our different class, but now when it comes to marriage, we are also not equal. Now we are equal ears of the grace of God, right? because i'm a male man you are a female man and according to god right we are joint heirs. whatever i can do in the realm of the spirit you can do the same thing you can do the same thing but when it comes to within the marriage the man is the leader and that doesn't also undermine the woman These are, think, these, are, these are soulish thinkings. That if we don't reconcile it with the word of God we will veer off. And so submission becomes a problem because you feel, why should I submit? Genesis. Some people, I know they are not in this church. Everyone in this church are solid people. But just for those who want to hear it later. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a problem. They said this person will love you like Christ loves you and then submit to the person the issue really is that many people have picked antichrist and so submission becomes a problem because he's an antichrist he's not Christ like and sure enough that will be a problem God did not choose him for you so don't get in league with someone whose leadership you can't trust I'm speaking about the purpose of marriage don't get into the leaders, into league with someone whose leadership you can't trust. But once you claim that, okay, I'm going this route, you've agreed to submit to the leadership of this man. And the man is not, let me also say this. The man is the domestic head of the woman. The man is not the spiritual head of woman. That means my wife can be as close to God as I can be. My wife can take authority over the devil as much as I can. It doesn't mean that your wife cannot go spiritually beyond you. If she walks with God and you are laughing around, that's your business. She will be closer to him. So man is not the spiritual head. So it's not as though anything I say do it. No, you are the domestic head. Christ is also our head. She is part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not divided into male body of Christ and female body of Christ. We are all joined here and part of the body of Christ, and all together Christ is our head. Are we together? But in the context of a family, there is a leader. Someone has to be a tiebreaker. Someone has to charge the cost. Anything that has two heads is a monster. Someone has to lead, and that doesn't undermine the value of the woman. Doesn't. And that doesn't also mean that the man, anything he just says, the woman should do. So if I come and say, we need money. And this person is asking to have a night with you. So have a night with him so that we can get money for the family. No. That's not possible. Because you are the domestic head. There is an authority that supersedes yours. And the moment your own authority is outside of God's authority, I switch allegiance. Straight to God. The man is not the spiritual head of the woman. Yes, he has spiritual authority, but he's not the spiritual head. The same way if I come and say, you know what, I'm the pastor of this church. So go and empty your account and bring it, this is my account number, transfer your money to the account, I'm cooking the pastor. Will will you do that? If you would, no problem, I will write my account for you. Just transfer it. (laughs) You know why? Because it has to be contextualized. It has to be contextualized. I won't do everything that you say. I will do everything that you say provided provided it is under the auspices of the authority that you yourself are under which is God. So God has created marriage to be put together Primarily, there are other reasons, but I'm very interested in that primary reason because many times the reason why the society collapses is because the people that make up the society themselves have collapsed, and it is because family has collapsed. It's important, it's important we hold on to this. The moment what God puts together, we don't try to put it asunder. And we try to do it exactly the way God said to do it. We will have fun. We will have a good time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why are you blessed? It seems the teachings of these Sundays are kind of different. But really, the family is quite important even God looked at the church and called it a family. It's quite important. And the more the parents, the more the, permit me to use this word, the more the co pioneers of marriage are in tune, you understand what I mean by co pioneers The parents, the, the man and the woman are in tune and in line with what God says. Doing it how God says to do it. We will reap benefits Benefits, 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 and I believe that God will help us. Hallelujah! Praise God forevermore. Well, praise God, are you blessed this morning? Can you give God a shout of praise? Thank you, Father, for your word. We give you thanks, we give you praise, we give you thanks, we give you praise. Hallelujah. We believe you've been blessed by God's Word today. Do connect with us on all our social media platforms at TBC Out of Zion and listen to our messages at www.soundcloud.com forward slash TBC Out of Zion.